Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, soybean futures continue to do stuff. Looks like we've got meal and oil moving in opposite directions. That feels comfortable. Corn and wheat seem just a bit conflicted right now. I guess if we're looking for a bright spot, I'd go to the hog market. Up over a buck in the front three contracts. We'll talk some dairy this morning and then broaden our view to the ag economy at large. Live from a molasses cookie Tuesday morn via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we'll begin with the conversation with Peggy Coffeen from the Up Level Dairy podcast. Then it's Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue and directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm your outstanding host, Davis Michelson, in for Chip Flory today. Chip is back on the road. He and uh, Big Apple Joe Stackler together have pointed themselves southward. I heard that uh, Big Apple is now on the ground. I don't know. I'm getting a text here. I can't talk and text at the same time. It's not nearly as easy as uh, texting and driving at the same time. Uh, let's uh, do, 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 do. Yes. Everything is fine. I just got the message from Joe. We're all set. We're all set. I hope you're doing well today. Glad you've tuned in on this Tuesday morning. Uh, Chip is not here. He, uh, as I said, is pointed southward toward uh, the port in Louisiana. He was on the ground, as you might recall. Was that a week, week and a half ago? Out of the port of Grays in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest area. And now we're headed down to the Gulf Coast. To check in on port activity down there, vital infrastructure to what you and I do every single day, dear farming community. If if we don't have good outlets to move our stuff out onto the ocean and participate in the export market, we are uh, well, we're we're sunk, basically. You might say, and so it's great to get a chance uh, to have Chip down there on the ground to really see with his own eyes what's going on. We will have. Um, updates from him tomorrow live from on the ground on the uh, on the Gulf Coast of the United States. Currently 63 degrees and cloudy. We're expecting the second part of this week to be a little bit cooler. In fact, I've got the National Weather Service weather outlook. Just a brief here coming up quickly to uh, start the news. But it's feeling a little cooler in Kansas City. I'm at, like I said, 63. Cloudy is what I notice. And maybe it's just the, the daylight savings time thing, but didn't it seem like it got early, awful early last night? I don't know. It was dark, and I, I still hadn't had my supper. That just doesn't seem right. Uh, anyway, moving on to today's show, we've got Peggy Coffeen from the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I, um, Peggy and I have emailed back and forth a little bit. I'm really looking forward to the conversation here, um, a podcast about dairy. I mean, how, how can you not love such a thing? We'll find out what it's what's the deal where you can find it and how you can listen as well. Then uh, Dr. Michael Langemeyer, we've got Purdue Universities in conjunction with the CME group. Um, the uh, Ag Economy Barometer is out. And so we'll go over the details of that with Dr. Langemeyer. And with that, let's uh, begin the news with a look at that National Weather Service weather outlook. Cooler temperatures and beneficial precip expected through midweek across the northern tier states. Very warm weather, including some record high temperatures, can be expected along with dry conditions for much of the central and eastern United States through the middle of the week. Some rain may begin to impact parts of the south by Thursday. And USDA released uh, crop progress and condition updates. Uh, this for as of November 5, so a couple days ago. Uh, corn 81% harvested. That's way ahead of the 77% average pace. Soybeans, 91% harvested, also ahead of the average pace, which is 86% for the five-year average. Cotton, 95% bowls opening. That's behind the average pace by two percentage points. And then we've got 57% of the uh, cotton crop harvested. That's uh, just ahead of the average pace. Winter wheat, 90% planted, 75% emerged, 50% good to excellent. Those numbers all lean on the high side of uh, of average. So not looking too shabby there for the uh, the start to the winter wheat crop thus far. Uh, weather improved over the past week across Brazil, but remains irregular with too dry conditions in central and northeastern areas and too much rainfall in southern locations. While some fields will need to be replanted, crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier kept his Brazilian soybean and corn crop estimates unchanged 
with a neutral to lower bias on both. U.S. wheat exports have reached a 20-year low due to several factors, including the shrinking Mississippi River and competition from abundant global grain supplies. We've heard from guests right here on AgriTalk, especially in the afternoon show, that uh, we're going to need something to happen in one of the major uh, wheat exporting nations around the globe. They talked about Russia. They're just putting too much wheat out there, and, and we just we can't compete. The government is again about to run out of money with a shutdown cliff next week and a farm bill extension hanging in the balance. Another stopgap funding bill by the 17th would likely uh, be the likely vehicle to extend the already expired farm bill. But New House Speaker Mike Johnson told Fox News Sunday that he'll fight for a non-traditional stopgap rather than uh, continuing levels of funding. He had this to say. What we call on Capitol Hill a continuing resolution now and what we've dealt with in years past is that this would allow us time, and everybody understands, allow us time to continue this appropriations process. We're committed to bringing 12 bills to the floor as the law, uh, statutory law requires Congress to do. That hasn't been done in many years. And finally here, House Republicans are preparing a temporary spending bill to avoid a government shutdown. The proposed plan would establish two new funding cliff dates on December 7 and Jan 19 allowing some government agencies to remain funded through December 7, while the House and Senate work on full-year funding. The remaining agencies would receive funding through Jan 19. Some Democrats are skeptical of the two-step approach, saying this could just lead to more gridlock in the future. With that, let's go to Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Davis. You are all kinds of busy this time of year. Uh, the next stop for you, I believe, is the Milk Business Conference. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, it's three weeks from today, and, you know, it's, it is kind of a big reunion. There's lots of networking opportunities to visit with other producers and leading dairy professionals. Um, of course, you know, Davis, there will be lots of education, too, to take place. Probably the thing that I'm most excited about is it the first time that we're offering our milk business awards? And after these three uh, producers receive their awards, they'll sit down with me and talk about how they were able to help drive their dairies forward from going from good to great. And so I'm sure there'll be lots of takeaways that other dairies can take back to their farm and implement on their farm. So of course, we'll be talking about so many more things like beef on dairy, labor, carbon, uh, the U.S. Farmer Report will be there. And of course, Chip will be there, too. And he'll talk about economy and policy with some thought leaders. So lots of lots of education and networking opportunities happening. Those networking opportunities are, are really important. And one of the one of the sort of unseen benefits of a gathering like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We actually have something called a dairy darty happening one afternoon. I had no clue what that was, but I quickly yeah. learned it's a day party. And okay. so I think the farmers will really enjoy the opportunity to network and chat with other farmers around the pool deck. You know, getting away from the farm is always needed. Producers walk away rested and energized to tackle what's next for their dairy. So really lots of opportunity in Vegas uh, later yeah, this month. I love that component of getting a chance to get away and relax a little bit. Karen Boner from Farm Journal's Milk. We'll look forward to your report. Milk Business Conference coming up in about three weeks. We appreciate you, Karen. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Okay, we are underway. Up next, we're going to continue the dairy conversation with podcaster Peggy Coffeen. Very curious about Peggy. We're going to find out what her deal is, what she's up to, and, and why uh, she's so driven to do it right here on AgriTalk. We are hearing a lot about Climate Smart Agriculture, and that's because USDA launched its $3 billion investment into the effort. I'm joined by Farm Journal Senior VP for Climate Smart Agriculture, Jimmy Emmons, to talk about this program. Okay, Jimmy, these Climate Smart Ag efforts, that is your focus at Farm Journal. What are you working on? Well, Farm Journal has one of these USDA-funded Climate Smart programs, and we're just really getting it off the ground now, Chip, and ready to talk about it. We want to help producers with technical assistance, cost share to implement practices that they're interested in, and we have about 16 practices that range from nitrogen reduction to grazing land management. Unique to our project, though, is that we've been working with tech companies to help our enrolled producers gather and digitize the data that they will need to help share 
with the market to be compensated for these practices. Okay, now that data gathering and using it, why is that an important piece? Well, that's really where these markets are going, Chip. These food companies are out there looking for sources, inputs that have been grown in these climate smart practices for their own ESG reporting. And of course, that's where they may be additional financial compensation for these producers. Okay, perfect. So who is eligible for this funding and how do they find out more information? We're just now getting started enrolling folks, but we've really been working in 19 states from Florida to North Dakota. We're interested in row crops, ranches, specialty crops, and dedicated part of the program to small acre farmers. People can go to trustinfood.com slash grow to find out more. Trustinfood.com slash grow to learn more about it. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy Emmons, Farm Journal Senior VP for Climate Smart Agriculture. This is Andrew McRae, host of The American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <laughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd surf. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk in Chip's stead. As I said, in case you're just joining, Chip's traveling. He'll be uh, live on the ground uh, at the uh, the ports on the Gulf Coast of the United States tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon. He'll have dignitaries, muckety-mucks, big shots, etc. along. So we will get the inside scoop on what is the deal with the Gulf Coast shipping. Right now, my guest is Peggy Coffeen. I am delighted to introduce the Uplevel Dairy Podcast here on AgriTalk. Peggy Thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, a new voice here. So help our listeners out. Who is Peggy Coffeen? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the opportunity to introduce myself. Uh, so at Peggy Coffeen, I live near Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I've spent my career in dairy industry communications. And so about a year ago, I actually launched my very own podcast called Up Level Dairy. And it's all about helping dairy farm owners, managers, and the people that sit closest to them at the table to up level, not just their skill set, but also their mindset when it comes to business management and leadership for our dairy industry. And so I work out of Green Bay, the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. Dairy's been in my blood. Grew up milking cows in a 50-cow uh, tie stall barn in southern Wisconsin. And uh, as I always say, driving tractors rather poorly and running into things and uh, <laughs> just pursue dairy communications. And here I am today. This sounds to me like uh, you got a little dairy in your blood, perhaps. Is that a fair statement? Just, just a little bit. Just mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yep. well, that's, yeah, that's and uh, and so oh, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just, I guess, I'm just curious, and and we'll get to get into, you know, I want to talk a little dairy farm culture. I want to talk about, you know, the things that you talk about on your podcast. But first, just what was that moment like when you were like, you know what, what I think what I really need to do right now is make a podcast. Well, just briefly talk to us about that decision. 
Yeah. So I'm going to answer that with kind of two really defining moments in what got me into podcasting specifically in dairy. Good. So a little bit of my background is I spent about nine years with actually a major dairy industry publication and helped to get that podcast launched and started. And the reason that I got into doing that in the first place, which was, gosh, you know, probably five or six years ago now is uh, I was out at a, a dairy in particular and doing a story, a written story, because my whole career had been based on writing, right? The written word. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sitting with this dairyman and just in an exceptional thinker. And uh, and his name was Dan Seamers from Seamers Holsteins in Wisconsin here. And just an exceptional thinker. And just, you know, there was a, there's one thing about the written word that you can help people get inside someone else's thoughts and, and understand their story. But there's just mm -hmm. something so special about being in the room and the, the energy, the atmosphere. And I think there's such a powerful way. And you know this as well as I do. There's such a powerful way of bringing a person's personality into the story. And, and I remember walking away from this interview that I did with this dairyman thinking, gosh, it's such a shame that I'm the only one in the room. It's such a shame. Oh, how yeah. can yeah. how can I help other people get the experience of not just hearing the reiterated story and words on a page, but how can I help them feel like they're in the room? And so that was the big thing that got me into podcasting in the first place. Um, but, you know, when I went on my own with podcasting, it goes back to, you know, kind of another story of my work in the dairy industry um, through through the written word, through written communications. And um, and so my job for a long, long time uh, was to go out to these dairies that had just grown, expanded. You know, they built mm -hmm. these beautiful new barns mm -hmm. and I would go out and I would sit down with the families, the owners, the managers, and we talk about the beautiful buildings. We talk about the size of the stall, the pitch of the roof, all mm -hmm. of the things that went into creating it. Uh, but it it always seemed like as we really, really got into the conversation, the words that never got on the page were the one-on-one -on -one conversations I would have when I could see in their faces and hear it in their voices, whether they said it or not, that this was really hard that growing and scaling their operations was super hard because they had to learn how to not just manage cows, but now they had to manage people. Now mm. they had to manage an entire business with more zeros than maybe what they were used to. <laughs> now they had to look at how do I, how do I become not just the doer of the daily work, but how do I manage people and inspire people to want to operate at the elite level that I'm driven to, to operate at. And so that's where, you know, it was these conversations in particular um, that really led me to say, this is the segment of the industry that I really want to serve. And mm. so Uplevel Dairy Podcast, you know, combination of podcasting as a way to tell stories and to bring information, you know, to dairy producers, yeah, but also to say, let's let's just really focus on these areas. You know, we're not talking about mm -hmm. how to feed calves. We're not talking about, you know, the best ration changes and choices. We're talking mm -hmm. about business management and leadership. We're talking about getting beyond the skill set and digging into the mindset of what it's going to take to be successful, profitable, and sustainable for the long term. Mm -hmm. And that's Up Level Dairy Podcast. It sounds to me like and I'm glad that you specified there. It sounds to me like you are more focused on what we might call dairy farm culture. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that uh, that I focus on, the conversations and guests that I bring in, is it's a bigger picture of culture, uh, but then also that business management side and yeah. and leadership side. But really, those three things they all they all intertwine, don't you think? Mm -hmm. I would agree. Uh, well, and when you, you know, when you talk about those expanding dairies and now suddenly there are more zeros than we ever expected, uh, you're talking about, um, bringing in employees and you've got a whole yeah. thing going on. Now you've got to manage, uh, in, in a different way. Um, it, it, and really what, I guess maybe what, what you could, you could offer is what the best dairies are doing to attract and retain employees, uh, as, as one of your, uh, subject matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, really goes back to the fact that uh, but a lot of the guests that I have on the podcast and that I talk to are 
dairy owners and managers that are just doing a really good job. And now they're the, always going to be the ones that are going to say, Hey, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it perfect, but See, there are that. things that yeah. they have found that are helping them. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just good, humble, salt of the earth people, right? Just like the ones that you talk to as well. And, um, you know, in the dairy sector, it's what is it that they're doing differently that's helping them to be able to have high-performing teams and not worry about who's going to show up at shift change. And it all comes Mm -hmm. back, you know, to culture. And uh, I always define culture in the sense as, you know, culture is the feeling in the pit of your stomach on Sunday night when you have to go to work on Monday morning. And I think that (laughs) that is what drives, you know, that's what Mm -hmm. drives people, right? That's what Mm -hmm. drives you to keep showing up. And that's also what can be the deciding factor of when you don't want to show up anymore. And so that's the bigger picture, you know, of culture is the way that all of those things intertwine and play together. Yeah, Um, that's good stuff. uh, But we're not quite out of time. I just want to make sure that the listeners know where they can find your podcast, the Up Level Dairy podcast. Can I find it anywhere I find the rest of my favorite podcasts? Yep. Find it all your favorite spots, Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon music. And also you can watch the full video versions on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can find those every week. I'm going actually to bi-weekly. So most weeks now you wow. can hear two up-level dairy podcasts and and later this month, dropping a, a second brand new podcast, which you're the first to hear about this. So uh, so those, uh, those individuals that are actually in the first five years of their dairy career, um, mm-hmm. there's a special podcast that I'm launching for them called Up Level Dairy Young Leaders. And it's all about interviewing young producers and professionals that are navigating the challenges of their long-term careers in the dairy industry that have that drive to make a difference. And these are the stories and the conversations to help them as they as they go through their own journey and find their footing in the dairy industry. Well, uh, okay. I'm, I'm glad we got to how to get a hold of your podcast because I, I think we're just a little bit short on time here. I did want to get to um, just kind of a snapshot of a recent podcast that you had saving a 1500 cow dairy farm from foreclosure we had here in the notes we wanted to talk talk uh, victory in the fourth quarter business strategies for finishing 2023 strong um, I, I guess at at this point y'all look up the up level dairy podcast Peggy coffeine and uh, for those younger younger uh, producers up level dairy young leaders Um Peggy, I just want to take a sec and and affirm I love the approach you've got going here. You want to allow me to be a fly on the wall when you're having having these conversations. Am I hearing you right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, this is terrific. Peggy, I'd like to talk to you again when, uh, when we can. And uh, good luck with Up Level Dairy Podcast. Everybody look it up wherever you get your favorite podcast. Peggy Cuffing. Thank you so much for your time this morning. This was great. All right. Thank you for having me. Once again, Peggy Coffeen, Up Level Dairy Podcast. Uh, we're going to check the markets quick. And then I've got Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue to talk economic conditions next. It's time to take control of your seed corn at planting with Ends Up Seed Flow ZN from Brand. Ends Up Seed Flow ZN is a talc-based product that combines three technologies into one convenient product for your planter box applications. Say goodbye to planting skips with a seed fluency technology that results in better seed singulation, giving you a more precise planted crop. And this product is formulated with enzymes and zinc to promote early growth, leading to a stronger, healthier crop. Take control of your corn seed today with Brandt Ends Up Seed Flow ZN, the ultimate solution for your planting needs. To learn more, visit brandt.co slash take control. In farming, you don't do anything halfway, because putting in half the effort yields only half the reward. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer from Coke Agronomic Services is a dual-purpose solution that gives young crops critical nutrients for early uniform emergence, plus seed circulation and flowability. And with multiple formulations, you'll find the right fit. Plant smarter with Protivate. To get started, contact your Coke Agronomic Services representative or local ag retailer, or visit getgreatergrowth.com. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, we got meal higher, we got soybean oil lower, and uh, soybeans smell some clean air headed to the upside. Yeah, Davis, uh, really, the, the meal market uh, absolutely exploding higher here. Uh, you know, double-digit gains or, or 
gains in the teens in, in most of the contracts. Uh, that's spilling over to the soybean market and, and posting a, a nice rebound uh, from yesterday. Um, you know, we did have another daily uh, soybean sale to China, so that uh, continues to trickle in. I, th- I think that's like three days in a row now. And, and uh, so we see some demand uh, still playing catch up on that front, but uh, we are seeing improvement on the demand front. Um, but, uh, you know, you talked about soil oil. It's under heavy pressure here. Corn markets uh, uh, lower as well. Uh, wheat is mostly lower. A lot of pressure coming from outside markets. Uh, crude oil's 250 lower here in the front end of that market. U.S. dollar index is up almost 400 points. And so a lot of headwinds from the outside markets this morning. Absolutely. And talking about that crude oil, the WTI, go out to the Jan. We're below 80 bucks here, down 245 so far this morning. Uh, the cattle complex is seeing something it doesn't like today. Well, I, I think a lot of it's just that outside market pressure that uh, I talked about. And, and so uh, that that's weighing on uh, cattle futures here at mid-morning. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see um, slight losses in the front end of live cattle market uh, waiting on cash cattle trade to develop there, but heavier selling as we get out into the uh, deferred contracts. And the same as the situation in the feeder cattle with uh, moderate pressure there at mid-morning. Hogs, on the other hand, are exploding to the upside again and, and moderate to strong gains there as they just traders continue to actively narrow the discount to the cash index. Brian Grady, editor of Proformer, will be my guest this afternoon on AgriTalk. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to the program, everybody. You are tuned to AgriTalk. Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone this morning and this afternoon. Chip will rejoin us tomorrow morning. In the meantime, I... uh, Get to have a conversation with Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue University. Uh, Dr. Langemeyer, welcome to AgriTalk again. Uh, it's great to have you with us, sir. Glad to be here. Uh, the uh, Ag Economy Barometer is out uh, just today, right, the 7th. Um, this month's barometer survey was conducted from October 16 through 20. Uh, we saw a modest improvement in farmer sentiments, but... Um, Something interesting here, in particular, producers reported better financial conditions in October than in September, although that did not translate into a more favorable investment outlook among survey respondents. Uh, Dr. Langemeyer, start us off here on the Ag Economy Barometer, please. Yes, the barometer did increase from 106 to 110, and both the sub-indices, the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations increased with a larger increase in the index of future expectations. And I think it's important to point out right now that the index of future expectations is higher than the index of current conditions. And so that's really uh, provides some some strength or stabilization uh, for land values. Uh, the respondents are still uh, quite optimistic uh, regarding land values, not only next year, uh, but in particular uh, five years out. And so I, I think that's very, uh, very noteworthy. Uh, as you indicated, the financial performance index did increase uh, a little bit. And uh, uh, usually that index increases when the index of current conditions uh, increases. Those tend to move together. And so both of those moved in a, in a positive direction. Uh, what exactly is going on there? Why? Well, I have a hunch that's part of that is 
is is stronger than expected crop yields. Uh, mm-hmm. That's particularly true, I think, in the eastern Corn Belt. I think the yields are surprising some people. Uh, you know, given some of the weather patterns we saw this summer, and, and we didn't ask that question directly, but I have a hunch that's part of what's going on there with the strength in the financial index. Can you talk about maybe the the seasonality of sentiments? It it seems like. Um, it, very easily, yields could have gone the other way, and a survey taking place between October 16 and 20 probably would reflect sentiments that that show yields aren't going as well. Is that fair to say or not necessarily? Yes, there is seasonality to the index, and in particular, uh, when right when you get around harvest in the October-November uh, surveys, if, if, if the yields are relatively strong or better than expected is probably the way to word that, uh, because it's this sediment, uh, you do see an uptick in sediment. Uh, if, if it's the reverse, uh, you see that the sediment uh, weaken a little bit. And, and certainly given the, the large price changes we've seen uh, from 22 to 23, uh, you know, you, you'd expect that there, there has to be something uh, that's yeah. making them a little bit more positive uh, when you compare October to September. And that's why I point to cr- perhaps it's crop yields. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I could be convinced for sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm just I'm curious in better financial conditions but didn't translate into a more favorable investment outlook. So does that mean that financial conditions are just good enough that uh, producers feel secure, they they feel good about their book for next year and yet it's not quite better enough that they're thinking, "Oh, you know what? I should really throw this at my nest egg here a little bit." Are they holding on to cash? What's the story with the the uh less favorable investment outlook. I think they're holding on to cash, and, and yeah. part of that is, you know, uh, when you look in, when you look at the the extended futures prices for for corn and soybeans, for example, they they remain relatively low uh, compared to what they were last year. Last year, in particular, and so I, I, that's that's a situation where people usually hold on to their cash, want to make sure they have strong working capital moving into an environment uh, where you're expecting to see lower prices. Also, what's still what's still really nagging producers here, if you will, is 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 the higher input cost or the high input cost. Uh, when you look at budgets for 24, it looks like their their input costs might be a little bit lower in 24 compared to 23, but they're still really high uh, compared to, uh, for example, 2021. And, and that still remains the largest concern of producers is these high in, input costs, not necessarily the lower prices, uh, but, the, but the high input costs. Secondly, and this, this translates uh, to having a lot of importance for for investment uh, in machinery is is they're concerned about the high interest rates, mm-hmm. and so you combine the high interest rates with the fact that machinery prices are relatively high, whether you're looking at new machinery or used machinery, and that's just scaring some people away uh, from using some of that that good cash flow that they've seen uh, that they've they, they've experienced the last couple of years uh, and using that uh, to necessarily invest a lot of money in machinery and buildings. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, we've we've seen the, those machinery prices are uh, are sticky. Well, land values too. I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to get this out here because I think it's significant. Uh, the this this month you have uh, noted the highest farm financial performance reading since April. Uh, that reading at a ninety two was seven percent above a year ago on the farm financial performance. And uh, if you're talking about yeah, we've had a great farm financial performance uh, according to our uh, survey respondents, and yet they want to hold on to that, um, and it's that's just very telling to me. Very interesting. Uh, we got to move on. Talk to me about yeah, land the, values. The uh, fact that on, sorry, yep, go on. Yeah, the fact that it's ninety-two does mean that they that they think the financial performance is lower in twenty-three compared to twenty-two, but not okay. necessarily crashed. That's the important point. There is is yes, it's lower consistent with the U.S. net farm income, uh, you know, projection that 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 are forecast or projections or estimates that so that say U.S. net farm income is lower in twenty three and twenty two. That's very consistent with what we're seeing right now uh, with that index. You know, moving on to land values, they're still quite optimistic, uh, both with respect to to uh, to short run uh, changes in land values, but in particular, uh, you know, uh, uh, looking at five years out. Uh, 65% think that land values are going to be higher uh, five five years five years from now than they are today, and that's why I mentioned the fact that the index of current conditions is higher than the index of current 
uh, index of current conditions. I think when the index of future expectations relatively high, uh, you know, compared to the other index, that's supportive of land values. Uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, that that index of future expectations is quite correlated uh, with the with the uh, with that uh, question: uh, What are land values going to be five years from now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what was it? Nearly two thirds, sixty five percent of survey respondents expect farmland values to rise yes. over the next five years. Uh, talking to land guys, there had been an expectation in months previous to now. That, yeah, okay, we're getting maybe a little toppy here, but that doesn't mean that the bottom's going to fall out of the land market. In fact, many favor sort of a pause. Is is that kind of what we're seeing reflected here as well? We don't ask them specifically about what they expect for, in terms of increases, but that's that's what I'm reading into the results is yeah. is is more stable to maybe slightly higher. I mean, we always got to remember that inflation is still ticking away here uh, at yep. three to five percent, and so you know you you you, you know if you to keep prices uh, you know real prices the same, uh, you expect land prices to go up three to five percent, and so uh, I think that's that's consistent with everything else I've heard, uh, not necessarily uh, you know ag economy barometer or certain very specific sure. everything else i heard that uh, more of a stable land price market rather than a, uh, a sharp drop or a sharp increase yep yep um speaking of sharp drop it does appear that the uh, summer swoon for fertilizers and inputs is over we're seeing prices still below a year ago but but on the move higher and that's a concern that arrived in your survey as well Definitely. I mean, the biggest concern being that those high input costs and, and uh, you know, coming in second is that rising interest rates. And so I can't I can't overemphasize the importance of interest rates, not only to operating uh, interest costs, but they really they really put a, a damper, if you will, on on, on investments of any sort. Uh, whether that be machinery buildings or land, it, it's gonna it's gonna keep a lid on some of those those capital investments because uh, you know we're looking at a four percent plus uh, increase in interest rates from from a, a year to fifteen months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Langemeyer, you are parked right in the middle of uh, a great great agricultural center there in the state of Indiana. Uh, I wonder if you can just talk about the man on the street. What are you seeing out there? Uh, yield wise on corn and soybeans, what's what's what are you hearing in your conversations with folks? Higher than expected. That's that's the words I hear. I also okay. hear I also hear uh, significantly above trend. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I don't hear specific. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to convey specific numbers because you know, sure. the, the, the sample size is is, is small. Uh, right. But but certainly certainly those words would would come to mind. Uh, when you're talking to 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 a farmer, uh, and, and you know, that's in his combine. Boy, weathering a year like this, I feel like must certainly breed persistence for those rotational farmers. Have you have you heard of any changes? Did the survey yeah. raise any flags on changes uh, based on the weather in in any areas? Yeah, we did ask a question related to weather. Um, and it's essentially, it said, "Have you made any changes in your farming operation response to weather?" And and twenty five percent said yes. So that was a pretty large percentage okay. that said yes. Yeah. And the, the main things they identified were were short term, like maybe maybe uh, uh, planting more drought resistant varieties, which is extremely important change. Uh, maybe change in their mix of of crops planted, which would include cover crops. And then adopting or increasing uh, the use of, of no-till, uh, and so those were picked uh, more frequently than some of the capital investments. Uh, but but uh, but but nevertheless, a ten percent of those people uh, that said that they made change uh, either invested in uh, 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 tile drainage or irrigation. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of different responses uh, to changing with weather, with most of them focusing on the short term. And I want to go back to that drought-resistant varieties. Mm-hmm. I think a weather like we've seen this year across the entire Corn Belt just tells you how resilient uh, some of these varieties really are uh, to yes. incremental weather. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue, we really appreciate the conversation here um, and uh, for you spending some time with us. It's Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue University for the Ag Economy Barometer. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And we will wrap up this morning's program. Uh, You know what? I went over on Friday, but maybe let's just talk fertilizer prices a little bit. And then I got a couple of the news items right here on AgriTalk. 
I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was not just, you know, working with my physical disabilities, I was emotionally broken. I remember thinking, how did I get here? How? It was affecting me in my marriage. My husband, he didn't know how to help me. He actually called Wounded Word Project. Wounded Word Project had this thing called Couples Odyssey. It was an eye-opener, and it I think it really saved our marriage. They gave us books and resources and tools on how to help us with that. I just love him. I love you, honey. Me too. Watching her fight for her mental health, fighting for other veterans, fighting for this family, uh, helped me to fight too. Well, I always loved her, but I love her 10 times more for that. Not all wounds are visible. If you or a loved one are suffering, visit woundedwarriorproject.org slash notalone. Kurt Wolfolk is Senior Manager for Crop Nutrition Technologies at Mosaic. Kurt, even though this year's crop has just come out of the field, it's time to be thinking about next year. When it comes to soil and soil fertility, you got to play the long game, right? When we talk about soil fertility plan or, or a crop nutrition program, I think, is this cash rented? Is it owned land? I'm going to take slightly different strategies. If I own a piece of property, a piece of farm ground, I can make more of those investments for that long-term play. You know, my grandfather used to kind of equate his owned soil as his 401k. And I think that's a good way to think about it. It is a retirement plan. It is an investment that you're making into the farm. That soil and the nutrients within the soil, the power of that soil to generate income for me right now and for generations to come is critically important. And I think it's pretty easy to overlook a lot of times it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's 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 in soil solution. It's it's below the boot. You don't think about what all it, it can provide on down the line. So, uh, you know, we, we take slightly different strategies on cash rented versus on ground. Oh, that is great perspective right there, Kurt. Where can growers go to learn more? At the Mosaic Company, we have many local retailers across North America and would just ask growers to uh, contact your local retailer to ask for s- some of our performance products like Micro Essentials, Aspire and KMAG. We've also recently introduced Mosaic Biosciences, so we're, we're quite proud to be introducing the Biopath and the Power Coat. So we've got living organisms that can aid in the nutrient use efficiency of your crop nutrition program. And so if, if you don't have a local retailer that you can reach out to, go to cropnutrition.com. Again, that's cropnutrition.com, and you can find a wealth of information at that website. Fantastic, Kurt. Thank you so much. Kurt Wolfolk. Senior Manager of Crop Nutrition Technologies at Mosaic. Unlock the full potential of your yield with Farm Journal's Connected Ag Project. Farm Journal has teamed up with a coalition of partners to support producers in harnessing data to fuel both agronomic and financial resilience. Built around the use and adoption of well-proven practices, participating farmers will also benefit from technical guidance, personalized data support, and direct payments. Visit trustinfood.com slash grow today to learn more about this USDA-funded project. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. 
you suffer from talking on the radio phobia, no problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with you. I'm really glad you tuned in today. Uh, that was a really interesting couple of conversations there. Um, first with Peggy uh, Coffeen from the Up Level Dairy podcast. It sounds like fascinating stuff because she's moving outside of just the traditional. Uh, I'm sure they talk some marketing and stuff, but really her focus is to to put you, the listener, me, the listener, in the room while she's having conversations with these uh, good dairy folks there. And what she was really trying to get at was the written word just wasn't enough. She needed to have it out there so you could really catch some of the nuance. Um, I think it's terrific. And then a conversation with Dr. Michael Langemeyer, of course. Um, before we uh, before we move on, let's go ahead and get to today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. We just talked with the good folks in Indiana. Let's go to Gibson County in the southwestern part of the state of Indiana, where a grower says this, quote, Haven't quite wrapped up harvest, but my farm average for corn is right on par with APH. Beans were better than expected. Ooh, and look at this, about 10% above APH. Warm weather and a couple of rains have got winter wheat. Off to a good start. Sounds like positive news coming out of Gibson County Indiana for today's yields in the fields. And it was interesting to uh, to talk with Dr. Langemeyer, <clears throat> excuse me, about what folks are doing sort of in response to the year that we just had and to upcoming weather. I mean, we're switching to to El Nino. I really didn't get a chance to ask Dr. Langemeyer, and maybe it, maybe it would be outside of his scope, and agronomists might be better to tell us. But if, if farmers are thinking, you know what, last year I really could have used some more drought-resistant varieties. Um, next year I'm going to plant some more drought-resistant. Well, dude, what if it's a wet year? It's supposed to be an El Nino. I don't know. This is crazy. We should probably get somebody on. Uh, Harrison, in for Big Apple Joe, make a note. Let's uh, let's get somebody on about that and just just figure it out with the El Nino. Um, yeah, interesting there. I did promise we would talk about fertilizer because uh, Langemeyer did mention the uh, the concern over inputs prices and here's what that looks like as of these are USDA numbers updated as of November 3rd I'll just run them down quickly because I hit them in better detail on Friday afternoons uh, AgriTalk PM show but between Iowa and Illinois I've got anhydrous ammonia up $72.58 it had been climbing and continues to do so now at an Iowa-Illinois average of $811.37 per short ton, significantly higher than the low that we saw posted in uh, July, early August. DAP is up as well, up 13 bucks, uh, 13 and a half bucks, in fact, 705.86 per short ton. MAP uh, up just $3. Our uh, MAP is at 762.07. Potash up 8 bucks, almost 9 bucks, 506.29 per short ton now. UAN 28% uh, slow to come down initially. Once we got through Cydress, we we saw her come down pretty decent for us, right about where it needs to be. Up $3.30 from USDA's most recent report to a regional average of $3.66.50. UAN 32% is unchanged uh, in the USDA's most recent report. That doesn't come as a surprise to me. Three ninety two sixty seven per short ton on UAN 32%. Urea, our only decliner, according to USDA, down four dollars thirty cents, five sixty-two twenty. Uh, Ruby Red Farm Diesel up six cents per gallon to three eighty, and LP at a buck fifty-four. All told, our nutrient composite index comes in at eight fifty-four oh seven. And if we go over to um, the close at five eleven in December twenty twenty-four corn futures on November third, we come at five eleven. That puts us at eight forty seventy-eight. So we are pretty close to in line. Fertilizer is just a little bit expensive compared to expected new crop corn revenue. And remember, we're looking out to the 24 corn contract, the DEES, um, because uh, that's what we're on to now. That's what we're buying fertilizer for, gang. A um, couple of news stories we didn't quite get to. Oh, this I, I, I want to hit this. Sheep producers. Sheep producers, the 2024 American Sheep Industry Association's annual convention will offer producers 
A closer look at two pieces of legislation that will greatly affect the industry. Here on Agritalk, we've talked about Prop 12 with the hogs. We've talked about Question 3 out in, is it Massachusetts? Uh, also with the hogs there with the concern that you, you're not going to tell me how to grow hogs from California, right? We get it. We get it. Looks like the sheep industry is dealing with something similar. The opening session of the American Sheep Industry's annual convention will feature officials from congressional ag committees discussing the new farm bill. Great. Okay. The speaker on Jan 13 from Superior Farms will talk about a petition in the city of Denver, Colorado. A petition in the city of Denver, Colorado to prohibit the processing of livestock within the city limits. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Processing livestock illegal within the city limits of Denver, Colorado. It's just a just a proposed piece of legislation. So nothing has uh, has actually been been uh, been changed yet about the laws. But but think of that, the, Denver. Wow. Hmm. Anyway, American Sheep Industry Association. You, you might want to check in if you're a member and uh, see if see if there's something to vote on there to make your voice heard. The electric vehicle market is facing a slowdown, leading automakers and dealers uh, forced to reduce prices and offer discounts to clear unsold inventory, according to the Wall Street Journal. This could benefit consumers, the report reads, by narrowing the price gap between electric vehicles and traditional gasoline engines. But it also reflects a declining interest in EVs, signaling a cooling of the once booming EV market. And uh, let's see, let's get to this one here, just one more. The U.S. Forest Service put forth a regulatory proposal that would allow the consideration of carbon capture and storage projects on its 193 million acres of national forests and grasslands. The move aims to support President Biden's goal of achieving net zero U.S. greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Now, currently, gang, the Forest Service is prohibited from granting, quote, exclusive and perpetual use and occupancy of its land to external parties, which would typically include carbon storage. The proposed legislation would create uh, an exemption that would deal with that. Interesting, uh, storing carbon underneath national forests. Hmm. We'll see how that uh, shakes out. We'll get more on that. This afternoon, uh, we're going to dig deep into South America. We're going to talk markets, what you need to do about it. And just we're going to open the noggin of Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady and just just see what's in there. Come and join me, won't you, at uh, 206 Central Time. For Padawan Learner Harrison and myself, Davis Michelson, thanks for tuning in to AgriTalk. Hope you'll tune in this afternoon, and we'll see you in the morning. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if Micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? Micro Essentials feeds commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with Micro Essentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps.